My Karen boss treats us like children and costs the company millions of dollars. Many years ago, I worked for a company that hired an increasingly obtuse financial department who took over when they first reorganized. It used to be a loose collection of managers, but the year after I started, they went to a more organized and separate structure. To be fair, this is more about my boss than myself. We had a travel team, a group of volunteers from sales and IT who would go, in mass with equipment and text to do setups, displays, and network at trade shows. We had a booth, some sales guys would be there, and networking would commence. There was always a set of volunteers from IT department because some of the shows would be in big cities, and we'd get to attend vendors' events, parties, and hang out with the sales guys who were mostly gay alcoholics for some reason and super fun. There was this kind of seniority of who got to go volunteer, but nobody really complained and everyone rotated who got to go. You got to go to DEF CON last year, it's my turn now. Okay, fair. The travel team lead was also a volunteer position, but commonly someone higher up, like a manager. Their job was to orchestrate equipment, rentals, expenses, travel plans, convention center fees, and shipping. They also ended up getting a lot of the free stuff, too, from sales and our partners, which they'd pass along to the travel team. It was all kind of a perk, to be fair, for everyone involved. But when the new director of finance started, she put in some new and strict policies. Some of their policies started with, travel team is no longer allowed to get reimbursed without explicit approval, and nobody was approved post-event. Travel team does not get a credit credit card of their own or even a company card. Travel team gets gift cards for a set amount, like $150, which was to be used for all expenses. Sadly, places we needed these for, like airlines, rental agencies, hotel rooms, gas pumps, and toll booths did not accept gift cards. Financial denied that these were gift cards and even specifically disallowed people in meetings to refer to them as such. They were pre-approved credit balances. I think that's what we had to say. But to the rest of the world, they were 100% gift cards. Another policy was no matter how early you asked for it, often finance waited until the very last minute and usually after half a dozen reminders to get anything approved, which incurred a lot of unnecessary costs, like expedited shipping, same-day rental penalties, and inflated airfares. Lastly, if they forgot, it was your fault or your manager's fault for not reminding them enough. Okay, we reminded you four times to buy the team airline tickets and it wasn't done. We should have reminded you five times, so our fault. This was all in response to the director of finances claims that it would reduce fraud, an issue that, as far as anyone could tell, never happened. The director had this Dolores Umbridge approach that everybody somewhere might get away with something. She was a patronizing grit with a smug grin and this annoying head waggle when she downsplained something to you. So we'll call her Dolores. Before her, the travel team would just submit receipts and get reimbursed. Dolores put an end to that, specifically saying that the previous lead of the travel team was going to spend all the money on steak and wine. He understandably told her to go screw herself and quit the company when the dust settled. In his wake, Dolores used his free stuff from vendors as a shining example of stolen opulence and swag hoarding that she put an end to. Oh, behold the almighty on his throne of airborne express stress squishies and free U-line catalogs. That left my manager to take over his duties, and he's never done the travel team before, so he wasn't really sure how it all worked and didn't push back on Dolores at first until he was forced to travel with the team. He was surprised that he didn't have an expense account or corporate card, and when he asked for one, he got the gift card. 
When he tried to use it, it was just rejected pretty much everywhere he needed it except various restaurants. He paid for everything else on his personal American Express card, including some stuff for the rest of the team, and was rejected for reimbursement because he didn't ask beforehand. He was on the hook for $40,000 in various things for the two-week-long trip. Of course, he complained to top management. Dolores threatened to quit if she wasn't allowed to do her job, and top management had never had to deal with her before and were kind of wishy-washy about being the bad guy. Like, well, she says she lets you use the gift card, so... And when my management said that they were rejected, Dolores said, he's just not trying hard enough. He's afraid of confrontation. He needs to be a big boy and fight back. But in the end, the top management reimbursed him under the pressure from the legal team. After that happened, Dolores settled on having certain things prepaid for, like hotel, travel, truck rentals, and shipping. But they waited so long to do them that they often tried to get hotel rooms or truck rentals the day of a popular event, sold out, or got the wrong hotel, Washington DC is not the same as Washington State, or waited so long for shipping it cost $250 to send something overnight that would have cost $40 to send it weeks prior. They also didn't understand how much anything actually cost and how we saved money by doing things ourselves. In some cases, finance did everything wrong. So the team would arrive at the right hotel, but found out that finance didn't submit an authorized approval and found out that finance didn't submit an authorized approval for a card. For example, incidentals, a requirement for most hotels for trade shows. And nobody could reach them, so again, people got dinged on their personal cards. Again, Dolores said, they just can't accept what the hotel desk, convention center, union, or dumb minimum wage bunnies at the toll booth tell them they need a fight back. We can't spoon feed and coddle these guys because they're too scared of conflict. Have you ever fought with a Jersey Turnpike toll booth collector? Yeah, neither had she. After two of these disasters, my manager said, just stop, stop volunteering for these events. I will not approve time off for it. He declined being the travel lead for future trips because he just couldn't afford it. This was an unpopular move at best, but he told us just wait, let her do her thing her way. He was a master of malicious compliance and with no resistance, Dolores went into fifth gear with a smug grin. Now we're going to act like a real company. That leads to the next issue. Some of these travels were in major cities like Chicago, New York, Washington, D.C., etc. Dolores, again, said that people were just going to these events to get the company to pay for drinking vacations. Management was like, uh, yeah, we wouldn't get volunteers otherwise. Well, Dolores didn't like that idea. So she decided that she would hold a staff lottery and you could enter your name and she'd have a drawing on who got to go. To be fair to everyone. This fairness seemed awfully slanted on her own staff, by the way, which we'll get to shortly. The point of these trade shows was not to take a vacation, something Dolores made absolutely sure to point out, but she didn't grasp the entire reason we went, to increase our business. It had to be IT folk for setup and sales folk for the schmoozing. But that concept never got past her ears into her cognitive understanding. Well, since those IT and tech folk who already couldn't go didn't want to pay for it, we didn't volunteer. So the travel team ended up being other company staff who had no idea how to work, act, or deal with trade shows, which was a horrific, expensive disaster. Imagine the administrative assistant for marketing on the fifth floor winning a ticket, only to find out she had to pay for everything. Plus, Dolores always sent one of her own to keep an eye on everyone, but none of them knew how trade shows worked either. 
They only knew how to cater to Dolores and her controlling issues. What is a union fee? What is corkage? No, we did not approve some union to give us power. You plug your boot stuff into an outlet or something. They won't let you? Who is they? Well, then stop using the TV screens in the booth. You don't need them. We don't even sell TVs anyway. Did you know that if you have a conflict with an event center union and decline their help, that they just charge you anyways at the max rate? Yeah, Dolores and her team didn't know that either. And let me tell you, paying those guys a few thousand bucks ahead of time is a lot cheaper than just letting them charge you fines afterwards. Oh, she tried to fight back because she was not afraid of conflict, but lost heavily. Ironically, despite Dolores stating otherwise at great lengths, the non-IT or salespeople who went actually thought it was company paid vacation-ish, just like Dolores warned about making it a kind of self-fulfilling prophecy. The fact that they had to work was surprising at first. Then after the word got out, nobody would enter the lottery. So now they had no volunteers. So Dolores assigned them to interns. Interns! I could write an entire novel from that disaster alone. Imagine sending a bunch of college kids to Vegas, telling them they had to pay for things, and putting them in a job-conflicted situation where they were guaranteed to lose. I'm sure many laws were broken. Dolores then had to send along chaperones to manage it, who were more of her finance department flunkies, and our company ended up with massive fines for various issues, including paying bail for the interns. Because the interns got into so much trouble, Dolores started hiring room monitors for the hotels, and fully legal adults had to go to the show, work the entire day at the show on their feet, and then check back into their hotel rooms. She also put four to six people to a room, too, like they were in a high school band or something. She even had breathalyzers brought to make sure that nobody was drinking. Adults. She treated adults like this. This was brought up by the sales team as a PR nightmare, and my boss said, just wait, okay, let her hang herself. The first year of this, the travel team's expenses increased by over 4,000%. You heard me right, 4,000%. Trips that used to cost $3,600 were now costing $144,000 or more, often because of last minute fees and penalties. The travel team's expenses went from 100,000 k annually, on average, to over 2 point something million. Because stuff was so badly mishandled, we lost a lot of our boot slots and boot renewals. So we lost half of our trade shows and looked like idiots to our clients. But the main reason we went to these trade shows in the first place was for networking, so there was literally no reason to go anymore. This was pointed out to Dolores multiple times by the sales team, so she doubled down and canceled the travel team after one year. Finally, top management got involved, who actually fought with Dolores for a year until she retired for personal reasons to dedicate herself to her family. It then took nearly two years to rebuild the travel team from scratch. People got corporate cards, travel team leads became an actual job, and when we hired one, she handled all the financial stuff for us, so it was much better and saved the company a ton of money in her first year. And there was so much rejoicing after this happened. Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, ArmorAll, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on ArmorAll products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at ArmorAll.com. ArmorAll, less work, more clean. Terms apply. 
Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news... Leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's peanut butter cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the... Must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble, with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. The OP of this story did answer a few questions regarding this post. Why was she not fired when she went from spending 110k to 2.1 million? Several reasons, the biggest being that she was director of finance. So I am sure when she gave her fiscal report, she downplayed the mistakes. We also had some really good years in the early 2000s. So if we made 2 million in profit the previous year and 3 million the next, that loss would have gone unnoticed until someone realized that we could have made 6 million instead. That's my theory at any rate, based on the aftermath. Dolores was friends with two of the top managers and supposedly had a come to Jesus meeting with them about the state of the company's financial standing. So that's why they hired her in the first place. By the second year, several directors had quit, including friends of the top management who took them for drinks later on and got the entire scoop. Dolores has got to go. The trade show thing was only one of the cases where she messed things up. She also completely hosed one of our major supply chains by lowballing them and making a few enemies that nearly destroyed the company and gave away some of our more lucrative contracts with vendors to competitors because that broke their anti-competitive clauses. There were more issues, but that comes close to identifying some people, which is a big no-no here. What happened to the Christmas party? The Christmas party wasn't nearly as interesting. She just didn't have one. This was nearly the tail end of the whole, we're going to run like a real company now, fiasco. But once the budget for events was 2.1 million from 110,000, the Christmas party was probably far down on her list of worries. I don't think she even knew she was supposed to have one. Some people think she was funneling that money to cover up the massive expense increase for the trade show fiasco. But I can't imagine that those budgets were from the same pool. I think around November, people started asking, don't they have a holiday party every year? But nobody knew who was doing it. Usually it was three people who were a part of it in the previous years, but they were no longer with the company. They had quit mostly because of Dolores. But even they didn't run it, per se. They hired and catered it out to some fancy hotel locally. Our fiscal year was Jan to December. So December was huge for tying things up. And this was the first year running fiscal year end stuff. She came on board late in the previous year. And so the finance would have been normally very occupied. How was she let go? She had just gained too many enemies in the company. 
It took a while, but after she had been with us for a year and a half, she had accumulated too much negative drag on her inertia to get things done because there started to be a very positive, strong passive resistance. This caused her to spiral out of control and try to start a coup which gained no traction and singled her out as being mildly unhinged to say the least. By the time her second anniversary came and went, she started taking sabbaticals until one of them became permanent. Her assistant took over, but then was let go, and they brought in some consulting group who started the new financial team. They were the ones that suggested that someone have the table team lead as an actual separate paid job. The woman that got hired and ran that was amazing. Is it true that she tried to sell keychains and pens? No one asked this, but a former coworker reminded me that she was appalled that we were just giving away some of our normal booth freebies like stickers, pens, shirts, and keychain flashlights. She demanded we charge at least a nominal fee for them, but IIRC, nobody followed that mandate. I only personally knew that she sent out a memo admonishing employees that a lot of the keychains went missing and she was seeing them in people's desks. Those cost the company money and wanted to charge those employees $3 for them. But apparently she wanted to charge people at the booth as well. But let me know, who was the jerk in this situation? Bro, I would have not worked with this woman the OP described here. It is crazy the links that she went to to make sure people weren't drinking or doing bad things on this vacation. Reminded me of the time that I went on a high school class trip that lasted two days and we had teachers watching our hotel rooms to make sure that the boys weren't sneaking over to see the girls. It's crazy that companies can make so much money but not notice that they were losing so much over time as well. I freak out when my account is missing $20. Also, I hate this whole concept of you need to be confrontational to get stuff done. That's just not true. In most cases, you just need to explain things in a way that people can understand. This has worked for me many times in the past and it's a better alternative than raising your voice. I caught a car dealer with their pants down and they just pretended like I didn't exist until I left. It was around 2009 when there was a scrap scheme in Scotland. You could get 2,000 pounds if you scrap your old banger towards a new car. I decided to go for it, but being a student, I could only afford a small car, so I was browsing the market. At the time, the new Twingo arrived, so I went to the Renault dealership near me to take a look and to check if I could fit into it. I'm a big guy. The dealership happened to be an Arnold Clark, known for their very pushy sales techniques. So here I am, trying to look at a Twingo. But there was a small crowd of people around it. While first generation Twingo was popular in Europe, it was not available in RHD. So the second generation was a brand new Brinton. I decided to look around and look what else they had to offer. I was looking at a Renault Silo when a salesperson approached me and asked if I'd like the car. I gave a polite non-committal answer as it was the cheapest version possible. No radio, wind up mirrors, black bumpers, white paint, you know it. He said to me that this car is worth 13,000 pounds, but today only I could have it for 4,000 less. Moreover, they will offer me special insurance. So if my car is written off or stolen in the first year, I will get its full value for the moment of purchase back in cash. He offered to discuss this with me over a coffee. So since the crowd for the Twingo was still big, I said, why not? He sat me down at the table, made me a really nice latte, and went to bring me some leaflets. Meanwhile, one of his colleagues approached me to tell me in secret that he shouldn't be telling me this as they're on commission, but this is too great a deal to miss. Yes, they're that predictable. 
Finally, the first guy came, and it turned out that he not only brought leaflets, but also brought the contract and other documents ready to sign. I took a sip of my coffee and told him that I need to give a good read to these documents. I started from the insurance documents. It said indeed that if I crash the car or if it gets stolen within the year of purchase, I will get its full value at the moment of purchase in cash. Its full value, that is 9,000 pounds. So I stopped reading and asked the guy, you said you can sell me this car for 4,000 less than what it's worth today, right? He said, yes. I said, great, this insurance document values the car at 9,000. If I can have it for 5,000, I'm paying cash right now and I'd be happy to drive it off in the next 15 minutes. Where do I sign? I start browsing the paperwork for that other document, but he snapped them out of my hands and told me that he needed to check something, then disappeared into the staff only doors. I just sat there. The other guy came and asked if he could be any help. I told him the other guy went somewhere with my contract and I wanted to sign it, but he never came back. He told me that he'd go look for me and that I am to wait and make sure that I am comfortable. They will be back right away. He disappeared as well. I finished my coffee, tried the Twingo, it was not comfortable, tried the new Revolt Master because I like vans, and left. The rest of the staff was giving me the wide berth, so it was fun, but I finally got bored. I ended up with the Daihatsu purchase from an independent dealer, which I love and I drive it all those years till today. Actually, there was a little side story with the Daihatsu as well. Arnold Clark didn't have Daihatsu dealerships, so there was only one independent dealership in Glasgow. I went to the first one, and while I was taking a look, I overheard sales guys talking to each other about bloody Polish people wasting their time, while Poles don't have the money for brand new cars anyways. This was the time when Polish immigration to the UK was still relatively a new thing. On hearing that, I just got up and left and didn't look back. Got my car from another dealership on the opposite end of the city. When I picked it up, I drove by that first dealership and drove slowly while blasting Polish music from my stereo. But let me know, am I the jerk? I spoke about my bad car dealership experience in another video, but man, why does buying a car have to be so scummy? Like I understand things run on commission, but having to play games when it comes to making a purchase is kind of shady. And in the instance of this OP, it seems like he caught the dealership with their pants down and they were able to just pull out of the deal. Seems pretty messed up, but sadly, that is the world. That's it for today's video. If you want to make sure you don't miss out on any content, hit that subscribe button and make sure you hit that bell to turn on notifications. If you want to finish listening to all those stories, use the playlist at the top of the description. And if you're someone who live streams and needs copyright free music, check out the Cream of the Crop music by searching Cream of the Stream on Spotify or whatever music platform you choose. Remember, it's free.